Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visitwilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace, yours. Scramble through our world-class golf courses or shop your way through the square. Be one with nature as you hike or bike through our parks and trails or hunker down at one of our breweries. And when it's time to eat, be sure to bite into our eclectic food scene. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumpke is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumpke will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumpke. Apply now at RumpkeCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer. Restrictions apply. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Laugh and learn while you listen to a brilliant display of radio. Online, online. with Bill Alexander. Bill Alexander. Hi everyone, yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here at WMCK.FM, McKeesport. 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle, 1620 AM, Huntington, Huntington, PA, Mixtape Radio International, Steel FM, WWSX, 99.1 FM, Radio Rehoboth, Orca Radio, Owensburg, Kentucky, I can say it, Parkway 106, Pittsburgh, PA, and streaming online at italknet and also at pghtalkradio.com. I can get all out before the music ends, how about that? <laughs> Anyhow, yours truly, Bill Alexander, with you on a Monday night, and uh, hard to believe it is the Monday before Thanksgiving 2020. I guess in March we never thought we'd get to this place in time, but we're finally here, and we have all these restrictions going on around us, and new stress, and new uh, new concerns that we're dealing with, which is a good thing. Well, not a good thing that we have to deal with them, but I have someone on the phone line tonight that actually can help us deal with these situations that we're dealing with right now and we have richard coons on the on the phone line richard how are you doing this evening i'm doing great how are you bill i'm doing real good so give my audience a little bit of a background of who you are um well i at training um my background is in uh engineering uh, i was a chemical engineer with dupont and then I uh, transferred to New York City working for a chemical co- uh, construction company, designing uh, liquid natural gas plants and things of that nature, and uh, became a, a senior design engineer. And I looked at my life, and I saw my life as, as well, I'm an introvert, I'm shy, I'm uh, you know a bit backwards, uh, socially inept. Uh, dating was an issue. My, uh, had, my wife had passed away. Uh, from leukemia, and so it was like starting all over, and I felt really lost. Uh, I felt like a lost person. And I took an, an adult education class uh, locally in uh, uh, hypnosis, and it was interesting. And actually I heard uh, there was a, uh, a CD, or at that time we used cassette recordings. You never heard of a CD at that right. point, <laughs> uh, the old-time cassette recordings. And it was called the Inner World of Tranquility, and it, uh, it, it was an incredible experience. And I kind of uh, connected with myself and saw that there was a world outside of engineering. I knew that, but I wanted to be a part of it, and I decided that I was going to do that. I, I was going to get involved in that world. And I, in back of my mind, I thought I could use hypnosis to get hypnotized that I would have confidence because I really felt I had zero confidence. I Well, I had zero confidence, particularly when it came to the opposite sex. I mean, I had amazing confidence at work and what I, I, I could do my job and and uh, I, I could build things and, and I could do carpentry and electri- electrical work around the house. I had amazing confidence, but when it came to uh, socializing in the opposite sex, I was zero, a nerd, <laughs> and so I, so I had hoped that uh, that 
the guy that was uh, running the classes in hypnosis could hypnotize me to have all this amazing confidence. So snap my finger and I'd be a different person. Well, I, I had a session with him, but it didn't work out that way. Okay. <laughs> I was still a nerd. I was still a nerd. <laughs> so you had all this self-confidence at work and the stuff that you could do with your hands and everything, but you said you didn't have it with the with the people of the opposite sex. There's there any? Right. Do you can you pinpoint why pinpoint why that is? Why that you weren't able to feel confident talking to someone? Um, again, like you said, your wife passed away and getting back out there in that dating field again, why weren't you able to talk to people or talk to uh, women that way? Oh, it goes all the way back to childhood, uh, in, in high school and so forth. Uh, I just wasn't socially adept. Uh, I would see other guys, uh, uh, chatting with gals and I would always be thinking to myself, gee, what do they say to, what do you say to a girl to, to ha- have her get interested in you? Uh, I thought I was ugly. I had a very poor self-image of myself. Okay. I thought other people saw me as an ugly person. And even in my 30s, I, I didn't think I was very attractive. But when I looked back at my photographs, I said, wow, you were a hunk of a guy, fella. <laughs> uh, what was wrong with you? So self-image psychology, like uh, Dr. Maxwell Maltz, uh, is a very good book. It's, if anybody has, is self uh if anybody has self is self conscious and has a poor self image, that's the first place to start. It's an old book you can buy for fifty cents on eBay. Uh, Dr. Maxwell Maltz, uh, Psycho Cybernetics. It's a great place to start. One thing. One thing I think we all know is hindsight is twenty twenty. And I was Always. I was going through photographs the other day when I was in high school, which was thirty plus years ago, and I always thought I had a weight issue when I was in high school, and my, my son, who is uh, 20 years old right now, who's in college, pulled out and go, Dad, you were never heavy. <laughs> I said, at that time, yeah. we all had these, self, these, these perceived images of ourselves that we were. And again, it's just interesting how we, we actually do more harm to ourselves than anybody else does, especially with self-esteem. So I'm looking at your website, which is called the Stress Management Institute, and what are some of the things you focus on at the Stress Management Institute? Uh, gosh, uh, that's a, from a compilation of about 20 years of uh, being in practice as a stress management specialist and a hypnotist. I worked with all kinds of people. The, the theme that always came up, whether I was working with doctors or lawyers or politicians or vice presidents of companies, the theme that always came up was self-esteem. Okay. Nobody ever liked themselves. They always found that something was wrong with themselves. In fact, uh, in the early days, I met this very young, attractive lady. She was married, and I, I got to know her uh, as a friend. And I, she had everything that you could imagine. Uh, she was an engineer with AT&T. She was married to an engineer. She had a beautiful home. And she would share with me that she would uh, oftentimes sit in a closet, depressed, very unhappy with herself. So No self-esteem. So how do you work with people to get them out of that mindset? I mean, especially right now with what we're dealing with, the pandemic, that everybody's life has been upended within the last eight to nine months, and it doesn't look like it's going to be ending ending anytime soon with the job loss that we've had. We've had relationships breaking up. We have financial problems. We have all this. And for most guys, they internalize it and believe it's because of their their self-esteem and because they're not good enough and they can't go further. And, and they're beating themselves up for it. How do you help these people get over this, this bump in the road or, or whatever you want to call it? Uh, I would have them read my book called My Dog Got Run Over by a Rainbow. Okay. And it is about building self-esteem. It's about learning how to feel the emotion instead of be the emotion. And emotions are different energy levels, and just because you have an emotion doesn't mean it has to own you. It doesn't have to roll you. 
it's like you can it's like you can take a coat off you can learn to take off the emotion you can learn to feel and experience it and that is a real challenge uh my dog got run over by a rainbow is really based on a true story in that when i was about 11 years of age uh my dog got run over by a truck or a car i don't know okay and being a very uh unsocial person my my dog was my best friend i didn't have too many friends and there was a big question. Why did God take away my dog? What was wrong? I went to church every day. I sung on the, I mean, every Sunday. I, I Actually, I walked a half a mile to go to church. I was in the choir. I was doing everything. And why did God take away the one thing that I loved? So I was so depressed, so lost for years. I was basically incapacitated and in, in and we often go through tragedies of this nature, and people might say, well, you just lost a dog. I'm lost in my business, you know? Right. And, okay, I've gone through that, too. <laughs> but uh, it, it all started back then. And because I couldn't get grounded, I didn't have anybody to talk with, uh, to talk it out with, uh, I took it personally, like I had somehow... Uh, offended God, and he was punishing me in some respects. And as I look back, if I had learned to hurt and to let it go and move beyond, I could find the other rainbows in life. So that that's what it's about. It's in When we get into emotions like anger, frustration, depression, we get locked in. We get, uh, like in that lady sitting in the closet, we get boxed in with these emotions, and they rule us. And we are downtrodden. We become our own worst enemy. We say, I'm a stupid jerk. Nobody likes me. And we come to all kinds of conclusions, like uh, conclusions I came to even with self-image. I had big ears. I mean, uh, it was amazing when I saw Will Smith. You know, I said, wow, okay, my ears aren't too bad. (laughs) So you you get locked into these feelings, and you don't really – youngsters don't talk to other people. And Facebook and stuff like that is about – image and and it's more about bullying and and impressing people than it is about anything else and and uh, many people just get locked into these feelings and they get suffocated there and they can stay there for years and years and years so a lot of my work has been about cognitive reshifting and instead of making the emotions bad it's just a matter of acknowledging it you know it's like most people if you ask them who is your worst enemy and if they really sit down and think about it, they'll realize it's themselves. Right. I am my own worst enemy. I do more to screw my life up than anybody could do for, uh, for me. I mean, yeah. so one thing I've noticed and, and with, with people with, with going through stress, trials, and tribulations, if they would just focus on what they could do to fix the problem instead of how it's affecting them, they would probably be better off because a lot of times we magnify things seven, eight, nine, ten fold when the situation really isn't that bad. We actually make it worse for ourselves. And again, when you go, that's true, yes. and when you go back to the whole idea of self-esteem, then you start going out through that whole idea of the self-fulfilling prophecy is, oh, woe is me, the world's out to get me, this is going to happen, I don't know how to get out of this mess, I'm going to be like this forever, so on and so forth. When you have a person that talks that way, what do you do to help them get out of that mindset? I mean, I know you could do a lot of... Um, uh, talk therapy and stuff like that is this when the hypnosis comes into play or or how do you deal with people like this well the power of waking hypnosis uh you can uh, use the the hypnosis uh deep relaxation the inner world of tranquility to get things started but first of all it's to recognize the brain is an amazing computer and it can it will give you anything that you want it will give you uh Anything you want on a silver platter, or it'll give you self-destruction. And what you put in 
you know, garbage in, garbage out, right. as they say, is, is very true. So when we come down with the self-put-downs and we're into the emotional levels, uh, what happens is the brain, the ego, is perceiving a threat. And even, you know, in the dating situation, this is also true. Well, people get anxious about going on a date, for instance. So whenever you feel a sense of level of anxiety, whether it be frustration, anger, upset, that's, that all activates the sympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system is actually getting you ready to fight or run physically. But who are you going to fight? Who are you going to run? I mean, uh, you're not being, uh, you don't have to run to escape a tiger. You don't have to fight uh, a mugger. It's you and yourself. And so our opinions, the first thing is to step in with some stress management because when the fight or flight is activated, do you know what happens to the IQ? Um, it probably drops. It does. You become moronic. You yeah. Know? And the and when you become moronic, the level of creativity goes out the window. There's no creativity. Uh, you are this feeling. You are the situation. Okay. Uh, it's like you're a puppet on a string. Uh, it, it, I was at many years ago. I, I, I I was. Are you familiar with the S training? Do you ever recall those trainings? Uh, no, I can't say that I do. Oh, it goes back into the seventies. Okay, and eighties. So uh, Werner Erhard did these trainings. They were phenomenal. And I was at one of the uh, trainings. I ended up going because I had already paid for it. But uh, just before I left for the training, uh, maybe a couple of weeks before, uh, an associate of mine kited checks from me, stole checks, kited them, and I was looking at my company going bankrupt. And I was depressed. Right. And I let everybody know I was depressed. I had every right to be depressed. I had every right to be angry. And that was my flavor. That You know, I was kind of addicted to that. I wanted to be right about I got screwed. So I went to this training, and I was going through the training, and at the break, after the break, uh, somebody we came back, and somebody had his wallet stolen. And he was irate. He was upset that his wallet was stolen. So the trainer said this. Well, you know, everything was fine before the training, I mean, before the break. Everything was fine. And now that your wallet is gone, you see the, how you are emotionally. So the trainer got the guy to understand that he was his lost wallet. If it weren't for the lost wallet, uh, his emotions would be totally different. I was sitting there thinking, you just lost your wallet, you stupid jerk. I'm losing my whole company. <laughs> right. uh, you know, you know uh, let's, let's put this thing in reference. I wish I was only losing my wallet. But when the trainer got the guy to understand that uh, his emotions were as a result of this lost wallet, I saw that my emotions were as a result of the lost business I was about to lose. And it was like I took this heavy coat off, and I realized I'm not my business. I have a business, but I'm not my business. So I took off this heavy coat and got my, you know, got back on track and got, you know, saved the business. So what I what I think is interesting is when, when you said that, and, and I, we get so wrapped up in the emotion that if we could just remove it, then we're able to deal with the problem. But because we get so wrapped up in the emotion, the emotion overtakes us, and then we do lose everything because we're not able that's to think right. we're not able to think clearly. But again, that's easier said than done. So how do you get over that emotion that you've been done wrong, you're you're losing your business and stuff like that? What oh, type of thinking do you have to do? That's a question and a lot of the work that I did, uh, there's another book I also wrote. It's called uh, the scale conspiracy it's about emotional eating and uh, many people are emotional eaters yes so the idea is not to make our emotions wrong not to make us wrong for feeling these emotions the brain our brain this incredible computer says okay as a result of this and this you're you're being threatened somehow and it's okay for you you should feel this way because it's maybe a classically conditioned Pavlovian conditioning going on here. So like, boom, this happens, so uh, you feel this way. Uh, and you have this emotion. 
And there's a book I, I read by Theodore Isaac Rubin, a psychiatrist who uh, wrote the book. It's called The Angry Book, another book that everybody should read in third grade. Fifty cents on on uh, <laughs> uh, eBay, probably. And anger can be uh, manipulated in so many different ways. But the idea, and going back to what I learned in the S training, is to experience the emotion. The moment the emotion is experienced, it's over, it's gone, it's history. So the first thing uh, we learn from the angry book is that we have a lot of beliefs about emotions. So, for instance, let me ask you, Bill, why should you feel depressed? Why should I feel depressed? Um, Why should you not feel depressed? Oh, why should I not feel depressed? Um, I should not feel depressed because I actually think that I'm a good person, that things are, are, I'm able to do things that other people aren't able to do, and things like that. I have a a great wife, great family, and everything else. But. Right, there's no reason for you to feel depressed, right? But I just realized. Exactly, you've got to have a reason. There's no reason for you. But in the the meantime, you're depressed, for instance, and you say to yourself, but why? I shouldn't be depressed. I got a great family. I got a great job. I got everything going for me. It's like this lady I was telling you about in the closet. What? Uh, she had a great family, uh, she had a husband, she had a great job, she had uh, the picket fence around her home, everything the ideal, but she was depressed. So you have this belief that I shouldn't be depressed. I'll be the bad apple in a barrel. So we have learned a lot of um, reasons that we shouldn't be depressed. Why shouldn't you be angry? I shouldn't be angry because... It- Anger is actually an emotion that affects me more than the person I'm supposedly angry at. It's that good for you. Your yeah. blood pressure will go up. They'll know how to push your buttons. You'll, they'll, they'll be know how to get to you. you. You know, there are all these beliefs we have. We've learned these beliefs. We've learned these from our parents and from our educators and the people we've uh, modeled after. Uh, so why shouldn't you be uncertain or confused? I'm always confused. Uh, <laughs> I I think I think what's really interesting here, and I, I I've never I've talked to a lot of therapists, a lot of people doing what you do, but I've never heard someone break it down like this before because it makes a lot of sense that way by being able to um, because you're telling me I'm in control of what I'm feeling. There is no reason for me to feel no, this way. No, we're not in control. Well, wh- we're not in control. Why? But am I not in control of my own feelings, though? No. It, your past is in control of your feelings. Oh, okay. Your past experiences are controlling your feelings. So, And they've come up with reasons why you shouldn't feel these feelings. This is what the angry book is about. He calls them sealers. We have sealers that say we shouldn't be angry, so we don't allow ourselves to be angry, so we internalize it and people get cancer. We shouldn't uh, uh, be angry so we internalize and our blood pressure goes up. Right. So there's another field called organ language. So people who have high blood pressure often mimic it in their language. That burns me up. Stomach problems. I can't take that. Right. I can't stomach that. They end up with stomach problems. That's organ language. But let's get back to the belief that we shouldn't have certain emotions. So our brain has come up with these beliefs that we shouldn't have these emotions. Now... My goal is to get beyond that, to experience it. So when we catch ourselves in this emotional soup, then the idea is to talk to your brain. Don't, be, don't invalidate yourself. Don't say, this is stupid, I shouldn't feel this way, I'm, uh, I'm a dum-dum, I, you know, I, I shouldn't, you know, I've got everything going my way, I shouldn't feel this way. Thank you, brain. It's like looking at if, if you had a problem and you went to your best friend and you explained your problem to your friend and your friend listened attentively to you and then gave you advice what would you say to your friend for uh, participating in your life for offering advice what would you say i'd thank them right you thank them and yes but how often do you thank yourself what would happen if you called your friend and your friend gave you some uh crazy advice and you said ah that's stupid how would your friendship go it would probably go downhill because i just said the advice they gave me wasn't worthwhile yeah 
Well, it, it's a good thing, you know, the way we talk to ourselves sometimes, uh, you know, think death is the way out because it's the only way out. We, we, we put ourselves down. So rather than put ourselves down and, and say, well, this is stupid, this is dumb, I shouldn't feel this way for a myriad of reasons, thank you in my intelligence. You think I shouldn't feel frustrated because uh, things didn't work out my way today. Thanks for your opinion. I prefer to feel and experience the emotion. So you let yourself feel it. Okay, I don't like this emotion. I, I have the belief that I shouldn't feel it because, but I prefer to feel and experience the emotion. And you, my creative brain, figure out a way to let me learn from this situation, to get beyond the situation, to prosper from the situation, to figure out the answer, to be creative. So there are a whole myriad of preference statements that you have options. It's very much like uh, an analogy I use is like if you're in a library and, and the lights go off, but this is a different library. It's got a lot of sharp objects. I mean, uh, if you step on the wrong thing, you're going to bleed. You're going to hurt. So you want to get out of the library. As long as you're into the emotional level, you don't know where to go. Okay. When you acknowledge where you are, okay, I'm here, I'm stuck, I don't like where I'm at, I'd like to get beyond it, I'd like to see it differently, it's like the exit light lights up, and you can maneuver around the sharp objects and get to safety. So what I'm, what I'm getting is, is that we, we have been taught by our parents, by our teachers, by whoever, not to deal with the feelings that we have. Exactly. And with us not uh, dealing with well, those feelings are causing the problems that we're dealing with because we're not letting ourselves get angry or get upset or feel any uh, any type of emotion because we were always told that uh, that those types of emotions you had to deal with, especially for men. Women a little bit different, but especially for men because we were told that you're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to feel this way. You have to be tough. You have to be strong. You have to be so on and so forth. So what you're telling me is is that because of this learned behavior, we've created this problem for ourselves. Unknowingly, yes. So let me share an example. Uh, I was installing an air conditioner in, in my office one time. It's the second floor, and I was putting this air conditioner in, and it's, uh, as I was putting it in, it fell. Okay. <laughs> and, I, I mean, literally, I stopped time. As that air conditioner fell, the last quarter second was like slow motion before I saw the pieces go into smithereens. Uh-huh. I was angry. I was at the effect of this air conditioner. My life was fine until that happened. You know, everything was okay, fine. That air conditioner fell, and suddenly the anger kicked in, the frustration, the self-demeaning, and glad I didn't hit anybody on the head with it. That, that was the good news. And I was like a puppet on a string at the effect of that broken air conditioner. I was symbolically that broken air conditioner. Like, so... What I did was I not okay. I'm angry. I don't like how I feel. I had the uh, it was in my uh, relaxation center. We had these uh, uh, reclining chairs. I went in. I sat down. And when you're dealing with anger, anger is a fight or flight emotion. More so a fight emotion. It, it's important to physically get it out. So I went in. I acknowledged the anger. I pounded on the chair because it's safe to do that. Uh, it doesn't hurt anyone. It doesn't hurt me. It's a soft padding. So the idea is to physically get the anger out. And I acknowledge it. I hate it. I want to get beyond it. And after about four or five minutes, I got up and went about my life. Okay. So what you're saying is, is deal with it, address it, and move on. That's the goal. Okay. Acknowledge it, experience it. The moment it's experienced, it's gone. It's history. And again, it goes back. Creativity comes in. It goes back to that term: easier said than done. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it's practice. Yeah, it's it, practice. It, it, a lot of practice. You're listening to online with Bill Alexander here at WMCK.FM at Keysport 107.5 FM WLDJ Newcastle 1620 AM Huntingdon Mixtape Radio International Steel FM Radio Rehoboth Rehoboth Delaware Orca Radio Owensburg Kentucky Parkway 106. Pittsburgh, PA, and also at italknet.com and pghtalkradio.com. So 
when when we talk about dealing with this with these feelings that we have and we're trying to move on with these where does hypnosis come into play richard uh hypnosis is a power of suggestion okay and it's the uh if you know how to formulate a suggestion then that's that's the important thing so each of us kind of learn our own specialties. For instance, uh, a hypnotist in the, in the uh, trauma field uh, would be able to go to an accident and a person who is in crisis at that point be able to take control. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Control and have that person focus on something and relax and create a, a different situation. Uh, a person, a, a hypnotist who specializes in, in medical, uh, uh, like a, 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 a Anesthesiology would be able to hypnotize a person so that they could have uh, a surgery without medication. Uh, an educator, good teachers are great hypnotists. Poor teachers, the kids are unruly, don't get good grades, don't respect, and so forth. So it's how you formulate a suggestion. Okay. So basically, you you can you say anybody can be a hypnotist. It's just all dealing with training and what you're trying to deal with. Exactly. For instance, uh, I did I I did a uh, stop smoking program. My basic fundamental training in hypnosis. My original teacher, who was uh, Harry Aaron's, who passed away uh, several many years ago. He was a uh, uh, author of many books, and he was rather. Uh, an esteemed hypnotist in the country. Uh, he had an opinion that uh, to stop smoking, you had to be conditioned over many, many, many weeks, like maybe eight or nine weeks. Okay. And that was the approach I originally used. And by the t if I started with a group of 30 people, by the time I got to the 10th week, there might be two people left in the class, and one might stop smoking. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was the kind of result. All right. And so... When I was listening, went to a convention once, uh, there was a fellow, uh, Barry Konikoff. Now, uh, if there's anybody listening to this, they, this is kind of dating me, for instance. Uh, and Barry Konikoff was giving a presentation, and I stood in the doorway because uh, politically he was not accepted in the uh, association of ethical hypnotists. We were ethical hypnotists, for instance. We weren't flim-flams. We weren't supposed to be taking people for the money. And and this fellow was judged as uh, an uh, unethical hypnotist. Okay. So I just wanted to listen. And I listened to every word he said, and I couldn't find anything wrong. So I bought his program, and I learned how to hypnotize people in three hours. No, an hour and a half, and had a 44% success rate in three and a half hours because it's how you formulate the suggestions. The, the formulation of the suggestion is very important. Now, 44% might not sound very high, but if you look at the national statistics, the number, the success rate is 11% of the people who go through either trying to stop on their own or professional programs, 11% stop uh, six months. Uh, or longer. So 44% was pretty darn good in my book. Because I know in the past on this program and other programs I've done, I have been hypnotized to stop biting my nails, which worked for about six months, and then I started biting them again. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> I have, I've done it with um, some weight loss, was able to do that for a few weeks. That fell apart. Um, so I, 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 I get a little bit skeptical when it becomes about it because 
to me, when I think of hypnotism, I think of you giving me a suggestion, and then every time that I go to do that thing, I stop myself from doing that thing. And that's the way I guess it's supposed to work. Unfortunately, if you're dealing with a stressful environment or a stressful thing, you go back to whatever comfort comforts you. And like you said, with the with the stress eating and with the with biting a nails or grabbing a cigarette, whatever it can be, how do you do it so it actually is something that is a learned behavior that you're able to sustain for a long period of time and not just something it's it's that you do for like three or four months? Well, uh, to answer your question, when it comes to eating, there are three kinds of eating. Habitual, habitual, eating out of habit, like driving down the street and out of habit, you stop in at Dunkin' Donuts to pick up the Dunkin' Donuts and, right. and the coffee. That, that's a habit. Uh, or like the teacher comes home after school, she walks in the front door into the refrigerator, it's habits. And, uh, that, uh, and then there's emotional. So uh, many f- programs focus on the habits. And then the habit is great, and they drop all the weight, and then they go on vacation. <laughs> and then they go on vacation. And what happens on vacation? You're happy. Yeah, and you eat. <laughs> <laughs> You're you, a pleasure. So that's an emotion, and the diet goes out the window. Right. You don't need frustration or upset, but then, again, at home, a frustration or upset. And then the third kind of overeating is self-defeating eating. For instance, a person, well, if I get thin, there's this thought back in, in their back of their mind. It's, it, it was probably planted there uh, when they were eight or nine years old or even younger. But I'm afraid if I get thin, nobody's going to like me anyway. If I'm, af- I'm afraid if I get thin, I'm still not going to be a good dancer. I'm afraid if I get thin, I'm still not going to be successful. At least I have an excuse. I'm overweight, and right. everybody understands that overweight people are not capable of uh, having a good social life or being successful or, or taking charge of their life. At least I have an excuse. I never thought of it that way. So how do you deal with that person? Are, are you able to work with them to help them get over that mindset? or? Well, we did it. I did it in an hour and a half. And then, of course, uh, you know, you can have a good suggestion today, and tomorrow you can have a suggestion that wipes that out. So uh, hypnosis is, is about reminding yourself and replanting those seeds of suggestion on a continual basis. So uh, my, the way I originally worked would be uh, do an hour and a half live session, and then people would take home cassette tapes that's what they did and they had i had four cassette tapes one for emotional eating one for habitual eating one for self-defeative eating and then i had one where a lady said it was actually the first uh tape i ever made and it combined kind of all three of them and this lady came in and said you know i played that i played that weight my fat dog lost weight (laughs) 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 and she did too so, so when you when you when you do this, how long? Okay, just for the hypnotist or hip for the hypnotism and the weight loss and, and that, how many sessions do you have to go through? Is it just one and done, and then the cassettes or CDs actually reinforce it, or do you do it over a period of time? Well, it's one and and the cassettes, and you're done, and you can you come back for refreshers. Okay, I mean. Uh, you, your brain gets contaminated. I mean, uh, you just just think of this. Uh, you, you catch a virus. So you, people catch suggestions. Uh, for instance, I was working with this gentleman. I'll show you how easy it is to catch a suggestion. Uh, he was uh, vice president at uh, International Flavors and uh, Fragrances, and he was coming for a stress-related issue. I forget exactly what it was. He was happily married, uh, maybe 20, 25 years. And one session he shared with me that he was totally shocked. He, he and his wife had, had dinner with their best friends of, of maybe 15 years, and they found out that their best friends were getting divorced. After all this time, they thought they were so happy that their best friends are, are getting divorced. And you know what he said? Maybe, maybe I should look at my relationship. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm not as happy as I think I am. Right. He caught that suggestion. 
So do you feel that we're getting suggestions thrown at us every day? It just depends on which one we're, we're, um, we're picking oh, sure. up and from actually the, from dealing the time with. time you're old enough to understand the language, you're told that you're too short or too okay. small or, or, or what do you want to be when you grow up? Like you have to do something to be somebody. You're right. nobody, not, you're, not, you're nothing now. You've got to be a doctor. You've got to be uh, an engineer. You've got to be a uh, uh, train uh, engineer. You've got to do something to be somebody. We catch these suggestions from the time that uh, we're old enough to understand the English language. And then worse off, we come up with our own conclusions. We're self-conscious, and we come up with our own put-downs. Like, I believed I had big ears. I came up with that. Nobody told me I had big ears. <laughs> and, and, and with with social media that we're dealing with today, and everybody puts their best self online, that the the people actually start saying, well, if these people are happy, then I shouldn't be, because look at what they have and look at what I don't have. And the individual is not looking at what they do have. They just are looking, like I said, what they don't have. And that's, again, fulfilling that, that negativity that they're stuck with, especially with young kids and teenagers. And we're coming into the time of year right now with the holidays coming up that the kids are, are going to actually figure out what their self-worth is because of what's put under a Christmas tree. And not because mom and dad can't afford it or can't afford it, um, they just feel that because they didn't get a certain thing, they're not worthy of anything. It's unfortunate that's the way it is. Uh, and uh, Christmas presents, we're happy with them for about three or four days. I, I remember this uh, uh, this joke. Uh, a psychologist was doing a value study, and he had a poor kid, and he put in one room with a whole bunch of crappy toys, broken toys, right. and he took this rich kid and he put him in this other room with all the up-to-date toys. He left the, both of them alone for a half hour and then went back, and, and the rich kid was just sitting there kind of bored. And he said, why are you bored? He said, I already got all these toys. I thought you had something different. I thought you had something new. And he went over to the... Uh, uh, poor kid and with all the crappy toys and he's all excited he's going through all these toys and so forth and you know the psychologist can't understand why is this guy, kid so excited all these yucky toys you know so I ask him why are you so happy and the kid said you know with with all this crap there's got to be something around something good around here someplace <laughs> so in other words he, he he saw the bright side of the coin because he thought that again because of all the negativity that there would be something positive at the end so as you said, we're giving these suggestions out daily, especially to kids. And as soon as the kids start understanding, they're picking this up. How do we change ourselves so we do not project this on our children? Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, that's another book that I that I wrote. It's a short one. It's like 13 things, and I don't recall all 13 things, but 13 things that you just don't do to your kids. Okay. Uh, like, for instance, uh, boundaries. Uh, many parents think their kids should have boundaries. And, and you, you know, if, if the child is inquisitive and in a store and goes over and touches something, the, the parent, uh, you know, get over here. You don't belong over there. Don't do that, you know. And the kid is taught that uh, there are places he shouldn't be, you know, uh, but it's actually the, the parent is embarrassed. You know, rather than the parent acknowledging his embarrassment or her embarrassment, uh, he projects it onto the child and makes the child wrong. Okay. So. And, <clears throat> yes. And, and again, a lot of this stuff that we're doing has been done to us previously by our parents, and we're learning from them, and then we're passing it down. So you'd have to make a conscious effort to be able to break this cycle. So the next generation is not going to have all the hang-ups that you have. Yeah, uh, good luck, because with all the stress of, uh, you know, uh, dealing with COVID and oh, yeah. uh, losing our jobs and the economy, it's good, good luck on working on ourselves. <laughs> uh, another thing that uh, parents uh, uh, do is they, and, and so do relatives, what do you want to be when you grow right. up? Like, if You've you got to be somebody, something to be something to get self-worth. And we, we implant the idea that you, you should achieve goals. Uh, like, for instance, Tony Robbins, he's big on goals. 
Uh, I never got there. You know, I can never find anybody that had a better coal to light for me so I'd get a bunch of people walk over these coals. Uh, although I imagine it would be a phenomenal, tremendously phenomenal experience. But it's great to have goals, and Tony was fantastic. He, he achieved his goals. But for me, I say it's, life is more about the plans that fall through than it is about the plans that work out. We have these goals, but it's more about the, uh, the sidesteps that we end up taking, the, the, the plans that fall through, the disappointments in life, dealing with them than it is about the plans working out. So when we look at goals, when you achieve a goal, you feel better about yourself. But again, that's like the Christmas present. I feel good about myself for two or three days. Right. Now i got another goal. Right. So, uh, and it's, that's a, a pseudo sense of self-esteem. The idea with self-esteem is to love yourself on a bad hair day. When you have, even <laughs> when the worst thing happens to you that you can imagine happening, step back from it and say, I still like me. I still love me. I'm an okay person. Rather than putting ourselves down for not reading the cards or not going to the right uh, uh, tarot card reader mm-hmm. or, what, what I, or what, seeing it coming. What I, what I think is interesting, listening to you talk, um, and I agree with you. The sidesteps that we make in life are what life is because that goal that you reach only lasts a short period of time and then you have to create another goal. And that's all you're striving for is those gold and you're not enjoying what you have at that present time or the route getting there. And I think enjoying the route getting there makes you more of a stable and sane individual than trying to keep hitting that goal all the time. I know individuals right now, I know one very well who's very, very, um, very high up in the banking industry, and they're not happy. Now they're going to law school. And I guarantee after they get their law degree and they practice for three or four years, they're going to go out and probably go in the medical field because they can never be happy because they don't know what happy is. And I think that's another problem, too, is we've seen what other people's happy is we don't know what our own individual happy is. Well, get this. Why shouldn't you be happy? I'm happy every morning that I get up. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> you realize there are people who have beliefs that they shouldn't be oh, happy. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. How can I be happy when there are so many people right. in the world that have nothing? How can I be happy when uh, uh, my uh, is in the hospital? I don't deserve to be happy. There are so many people with this belief in their mind as well that they don't deserve happiness. But if you turn that belief around and say, I'm happy for what I have, and I yes, I feel bad for what other people have, so let me do something to make them feel better or make their lives well, easier. It's gotta be more, it, it needs to be more fundamental than that. It's the, it's the brain. It, thank you, brain. You have this idea I shouldn't be happy because, and, and you have to root out those reasons. Uh, because thank you for your thank you for your opinion because it's only an opinion that your brain has that you shouldn't be happy until you've reached some uh, some goal or or there's world peace you know I can't right. be happy until there's world peace so thank you intelligence you have this idea I shouldn't be happy until then thanks for your feeling feeling I prefer to move beyond that and experience happiness. Um. So when we when we talk about this and we're dealing with the situation that we're in right now with the whole pandemic and COVID and honestly, life will never be the same. And if it is, it's going to take a long time to get there. And then unfortunately, when we get there, something else is going to happen. But do you think with what's happened in the last eight and nine months that people are looking at life differently and are realizing that they need to accept every one or take one day at a time instead of of putting these large amount of pressure on themselves just to get through that next day? I honestly think there are two ways of thinking here. There are many people who are just simply ignoring the fact that this is a disease and they're uh, denying it and they're saying, you know, they're going around and not wearing their mask and not socially distancing and and pretending that life is going on. I don't know. I can't imagine that they haven't known somebody that uh, has died from the disease. Right. Uh, that it's a hoax, that it's a, a democratic hoax or whatever. There are so many people in that mindset and then there are other people who are just so damn scared out of their wits that uh, they don't have time to 
they can't even connect and, and think about their personal self or their personal growth or what's going on. Uh, it, it's just mind-blowing. And we have with with the overwhelming, ho- and with the holidays coming up right now, and they're telling us not to have large groups and everything else. And this time of year was the time that a lot of people reconnected with family and rejuvenated themselves. But unfortunately, they're not going to be able to do that now. So they're going to have to find another way of doing it. Is it is it through virtually or whatever it may be? But the ones I'm concerned about are the kids that are in elementary school how they are reacting and dealing with this because I don't think the adults are dealing with it very well. And the kids always pick up what the adults are doing. It's, it's, uh, it has to be dealt with a few years from now, you yeah. know, maybe after things kind of get back to normal, but, uh, uh, it, it will be an issue, uh, it, with many kids for a long time. Uh, I mean, remember, we're still in the Facebook era. The yes. kids are still dealing with the uh, the bullying on Facebook, the imaging on Facebook, and all that stuff are going on. And they don't, they have no idea or concept as to the uh, uh, cost mentally that this disease and how it's being handled is is going to affect them. Yeah, because I think I think uh, we have an idea. And the adults aren't thinking about it. We have an idea of what it's going to do to, to the body physically. It's what it's going to do to us mentally. That I don't think that we have an understanding because going in and going out. I mean, I have I have two kids in school right now in the public city, setting, and it stresses me out every day they leave the house because I don't know what they're going to be dealing with. Is the kid sitting next to them going to be sick? Is the teacher going to be sick? Is the bus driver going to be sick? Because a year ago, you felt pretty much safe. Now, this is something you can't see. This is something you can't really protect yourself from. But yet, you still have to live your life in some way, shape, or form. Now, there is one. Uh, if you, I have a website up. It's called StopTouchingYourFace.info. Okay. StopTouchingYourFace.info. And it's a hypnotic program that I put together. Uh, the goal, number one, is stop touching your face, you know, with your fingers. So use your knuckles or what. So it's a, it's a hypnotic program based actually on the, uh, the way I did the stop smoking program. And then it also goes into, uh, you know, kind of connecting with yourself and kind of uh, getting the anxiety uh, level out of getting rid of it. Uh, kind of centering yourself a bit, bringing uh, some peace of mind uh, to you in, in dealing with this thing. So it it's a multi-purposed uh, uh, video. And I'm on the site right now, and it looks very interesting. I'm going to have to look at it when we get off the phone this evening um, to look into it. Because, again, like you said, the spreading of, of the virus itself is because people touch their face, they touch their eyes, they touch their mouths, and everything like that. And because we use our hands so much by putting them on things, we are spreading the virus that way even more than we probably are through the uh, the uh, moisture particles that are coming out of our mouths. So, again, very interesting to look at it. So, your main website that you have, which is destressdoc.com, which is D-S-T-R-E-S-S-D-O-C.com. And that pretty much has everything under the sun that you may be looking at dealing with with the programs that you're offer, offering, correct? Yes, that basically covers everything. And then uh, the, I think the, the book, it, it's, you know, I have to, the, my dog got run over by the rainbow. It, that's uh, selfesteemcure.com, okay. selfesteemcure.com. And then you have another book, Light at the End of the Tunnel, The Scale Conspiracy, Love and Self Before Others, and um, Overcome Life Crises, correct? Right. I have all those. In fact, uh, learn to be happy. You know, being happy is a matter of like flipping a coin over. Uh, if you're living, if it's, it's like going back to the year, the era of Columbus, where we thought the world was flat and had no idea that it was round. So it's like many of us live on this uh, on this one side of the coin and on the other side, and that side of the coin can be very frustrating, aggravating, uh, depression, uh, 
uh, feeling we're taken advantage of, fearful, and so forth. And then through use of the same cognitive reshifting that I've been uh, sharing uh, in this call, you can flip it over to the other side and feel happiness. And that's and that sounds like a, a, a great way to end tonight because we've been on we've been talking for almost an hour now. Before I do let you go this evening, is there anything you want to share with my audience about what you're what what you're doing? I mean, how they can get in touch with you, what other programs that you might be offering in the future, and um, how they again and how they can get in touch with you. Gosh, we never got to talk about the dating anxiety. <laughs> That's for the next program. How about that? <laughs> okay. I'd be love to come back. Uh, well, uh, yes, you you gave out the, the main site, D as in dog, uh, stress as the word stress, as T-R-E-S-S, uh, D-O-C as uh, abbreviation for doctor, D-O-C dot com. Uh, that has basically everything uh it's got the uh, internet dating book for dummies like me. Meet your uh, meet your your uh, mate in thirty days or less. And and does that does that work? Did you meet your new mate in thirty days or less? That's why I wrote the book. I got make sense. <laughs> then we got to have you back on. Then, uh, how, real quick question for you: How do you date during COVID? That's the one thing I want to know. Well, as it's getting more progress i'd say number one uh it makes sense to number one do a uh the test i mean everybody's doing testing now it's not like it was back in april where you could never get tests right so do a test before you for before you meet up and in my book it's different than any process any process or any dating guru would suggest and i can explain why uh because have my goal was always to have my first date at my date's house making dinner. Okay. I'm a pretty good chef. And it was a, a thing you do together. It's a project you do together. But many people, oh, you don't want it. Look, going to a cocktail lounge and meeting somebody there is, if not more dangerous. Well, that, yeah, I, I can see that, yeah. Drugs they put in your drink right. and so forth or whatever. And there are things you can do. I mean, you can... Uh, uh, before you go to somebody's house or have them over, you can Google them. You can uh, uh, do a background check. I mean, all, the Internet has everything you want to, to make sure they're not uh, uh, sexual offenders and all kinds of stuff. You can look up their company or look up where they will live and, and so forth. You can do a lot of research on the Internet and to know that you're going to be in a safe environment. Richard, I appreciate you uh, answering my questions tonight. Now, yes, I will have you back on to talk about the dating book because we went in a totally different direction dealing with what's going on in today's society. And I appreciate you uh, doing that this evening and uh, talking to me. So, Richard, thank you very much. We'll have you back on the program soon. And you have a, um, a and enjoy your Thanksgiving. Hopefully, uh, you too. Thank you very much, uh, Bill. I enjoyed it. And I really appreciate it. And you have a great night. We'll talk to you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Richard Coons from the website destressdoc.com. Again, that's D as in David Stress, S-T-R-E-S-S, doc, D-O-C, dot com. Very interesting. Um, very interesting way of looking at life in a way that um, helps you get through these things to be able to move on. And again, I, some of the things I would have never thought of. Again, you, you're allowed to deal with those feelings. You're de- allowed to to work with those emotions and then move on from them. Don't dwell on them. And I think that's what Richard was trying to tell us this evening. But anyhow, that's going to wrap up the program for tonight. But before we go, um, we did our new. We have our new studio now. Finally. Uh, <laughs> It's completed. It's only taken a year to get done. Everything is finished here. And next week on the program, I'm looking so forward to this, is Robin Marshall will be here. And if those of you from in the uh, Pittsburgh region know the name of Perry Marshall. Perry Marshall was an overnight talk show host at uh, 1020 AM KDKA. And his daughter, Robin, who is also a radio announcer um, in throughout the United States, will be on the program Next Monday night, we'll be talking about her career and also her father's career in Pittsburgh. So again, I thank you very much for joining me. Um, Anna Vecino is coming back on later on um, in December. 
We have a photographer that's going to be coming on also in December, and a whole list of people. And of course, Eric O'Brien will be here on the last Monday of December to do our 2020 year in review when it comes to media and, uh, and and all that. So it should be fun. It should be exciting and looking forward to it. And again, thank all the radio stations that were on all the outlets. WMCK.FM, McKeesport, 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle, 1620 AM, Huntington, Mixtape Radio International, Steel FM, WWSX Radio 99.1 FM, Rehoboth, Delaware, Orca Radio, Owensburg, Kentucky, Parkway 106, Pittsburgh, PA, and streaming online at italknet.com and also on pghtalkradio.com. Guys, I am out of here. You have a great night, and we'll talk to you next time. Here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. For more information, go to italknet.com. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week, and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com.